0: Tennessee Titans talk. John, if any other AFC contender, I mean, even the Bengals, Browns, obviously like the Chiefs, Ravens, Bills, if they had won the last five games that we have in the way that we have, they'd already be making the rings, right? There'd be so much hype and so much talk. It doesn't matter what we do.
1: As much as it aggravates me as a Titans fan, the lack of respect and lack of, you know, talk we get in the national media It puts us as the underdog, and I love it when
0: we're the underdog. Landon, is it more that, I don't know, we just don't talk about stuff on the field, or is it Titan-specific? Because it just seems like, I know this is going to sound old man for me, it's like, it wasn't even about the other plays and the other things that happened. It was more like, two Josh Allens, uh," and just really dumb stuff about (laughs) Odell Beckham's dad. And it's like... Is it that it's
2: disrespect for the Titans, or is it just we're just ignoring the field now? I would say part of it is even this win streak, we haven't won. Sexy, for lack of a better word. All the other teams you mentioned have a superstar player that's exciting to watch, and we just lost our superstar player. But he's going to come back. And our defense is starting to ramp up, but they're not at they're not to the point like the Patriots were a couple years ago, like the Steelers have been. Like even the Dolphins have been where they're just forcing turnovers left and right. They're getting sacks left and right. They're just so dominant that it's fun to watch them. And I think they're going to reach that point, especially with how bad the end of our schedule is. But we don't win sexy. We just drag other teams down to our level. We win in the end. Our offense is definitely not going to be as explosive without Henry and with how banged up the offensive line is. But it's I think it's Derek Henry who always posts stuff and quotes on his social media like, no one cares, work harder. In a lot of aspects of life, that mentality isn't healthy. But when it comes to like recognition and attention from the national media and all that, that's the perfect mindset because unlike college football, the media doesn't matter. The media could say we're the worst Super Bowl team of all time and we win a ring. It doesn't matter. We still want a ring. They can say we're, the, we're a bad one seed. We're still the one seed. Like they can just say all that and they can say clicks and they can root for the hot teams. They can root for the fun teams. But at the end of the day, they just, they literally don't matter. And in a way, I like it because like on the NBC broadcast, Collinsworth the entire game was just like just using disbelief. He was like, what the heck? My darling L.A. Super Bowl, my Sean McVay, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald team. They're getting their butts kicked. It's so weird. It's not that the Titans are a great team that have been beating up on playoff teams the last month. How did the Titans,
0: the interior offensive line, the coaching staff, how did they keep Aaron Donald and friends that we were all terrified of? How did they keep Aaron Donald and those guys from basically doing what Simmons and friends did to the Rams offensive line?
1: Yeah, no, I think the the thing is we all know who Aaron Donald is. So you know exactly what their strength is. You, you know, that if you, control aaron donald you have a pretty darn good chance of taking advantage of that team and that's kind of what we did you know it wasn't great we didn't block him well all the time he did get his plays but for the majority of the time it was double teams and you saw how little we ran the ball um i mean i think what we on the night we finished at what 60 yards of rushing offense maybe most of it was just pl- our defense playing lights out and Tannehill making quick decisions and getting what he could so that's how you minimize a guy like aaron donald you chip him you double team him um you get the ball out of your hand quick you don't let him make a move you don't let him overpower you and that's kind of what we had to do and that's what we did
0: and it worked (laughs) that weirdly wasn't the biggest key to the game uh landon everybody talked about how our offense would respond without derrick henry that's still kind of to be determined right our defense was opportunistic, and just put them out with big plays early, and they were never in this game. Offensively, the Rams were obviously never in this game. That's what won it. It wasn't that our offense, I mean, they were good enough, but, I mean, it was a sloppy game for both offenses. But it was our defense. It set the tone. How did we, specifically in your mind, besides what we've already heard all week, how did we make a guy, Matt Stafford, who literally, before this game, Maybe even after, will probably be voted the league's MVP. How did we make a guy look that lost on Sunday, considering how
2: good he's looked in a Rams uniform? Well, just speaking to our offense's performance, outside of our third touchdown, which was the long drive in the second quarter where Tannehill ran the bootleg, ran it in, did the finger roll. We literally did nothing on offense. I know we scored a late touchdown, but that had two roughing the passers, the first of which was pretty bogus. But on the defense, it's been the same principles that we've been running the past month against these high-octane passing offenses. It's just the two-deep safety, keep everything in front, make teams dink and dunk, and we've got a good pass rush now, so they can't dink and dunk at will, and eventually we're going to make a mistake. Cooper Cup had the quietest 11 catches, 95 yards I saw, (laughs) because he kept dinking and dunking. He got seven yards, but it was like he wasn't doing anything, and this is a guy who's been the best receiver in football. and He had his production, but I thought he was – Invisible last on Sunday.
0: Oh, agreed, absolutely. Yeah. I was dreading how we were going to guard that guy, big fellow. But I mean, we we made him look pretty pedestrian, and he has been unreal.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think one one of the really really big bright spots of that game. Obviously, we know about Simmons just having himself a career game, but uh, Chris Jackson played his butt yeah, off. He did. He played. I mean, off. there was one tackle where you, you, me, your dad, and Michael, we were all sitting there and just like, oh. <laughs> He just played really physical, and I think he allowed six catches, but it was like six catches for like 50-some yards. So that was incredibly respectable from a guy who we haven't really relied on a whole lot.
0: Right. I was really impressed, and I'm at the point now, after five straight wins, I'm ready to just say we we have a good coaching staff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mike Vrabel has these guys ready to play, and they fear no one. They don't fear going on the road. They're tough. Yes, Mike Vrabel – they'll put the camera on him and he looks kind of like clueless, but he's clearly not. He's clearly a very good coach. I'm not ready to crown him and say he's this or that, but clearly we're ready to play. And if we look bad the week before, we won't look bad twice. Uh, He's as good as we could expect to get. I really put a lot of this five game run on him as instilling this just extraordinary mental toughness Mm -hmm. uh, in this team. Let's talk saints. We're really excited to have this team back in Nashville. The Titans, after a, a few weeks away, I feel like our crowd is going to be great. I know uh, New Orleans travels really well, but we're going to have a really excited fan base because we've got a lot to be excited about. I think ESPN has the Titans as a three point favorite. Uh, I think the sports books are two and a half. I want you to get mad about that, like I'm sure you are. <laughs> and then, Landon, I want you to follow up and kind of explain. You do a good job of explaining, you know, Vegas' logic. Um,
1: I'm a little aggravated by it because we deserve so much more. Than two and a half to three points, like we have always talked about, you get three points as being the home team, so that just means that they think it's a neutral field it's it's even it's not even I mean don't get me wrong the the Saints defense is it's no joke they're really, really good, but so is ours, and we have a pretty dynamic offense, even without Henry, obviously having Henry makes it a whole lot better, honestly. If that man shows his face on the sideline, forget it. We might hang 50 on him. But I, I just, you know, especially with how banged up they are. We were, we've we been talking all week. Landon has pointed out multiple times how they don't have any receivers, period. Kenny Stills as a number one. I think that's all I need to say there. It's not fair. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have a quarterback. Uh, I mean, are we, are we talking Trevor Simeon? Are we talking Taysom Hill? I mean... They're both backup options at best.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around why this is a line because, yes, we lost Henry, but other than that, even with all of our injuries, we're coming to this game a healthier team just because Kamara is banged up. Payton Turner, who's been the starting defensive lineman for them, is out. Johnson Gardner-Johnson, one of their starting defensive backs, is out. And Winston is out for the year, and Michael Thomas is out for the year, and like John said, they have literally no receivers Next Gen Stats has this thing called average separation, which is literally what it says. It's like, how many yards of separation per route run does a receiver get? Last week, the Saints had three of the bottom six. Traquan Smith, Marquez Callaway, Adam we were getting no separation against the Falcons. You look at what our defense has done against the Chiefs and the Rams. You look at what they did to Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. I mean... Chris Jackson legit is better than any of their receivers, and <laughs> I never thought I would see the day where Chris Jackson is a better corner than any of the opponent's receivers are. We've been a good team at home, and our defense is picking up. And outside, outside of their Week 2 loss where they had everyone out due to COVID, they didn't have any coaches, they've been a good, competently coached team. They keep it competitive. They upset the Bucks, but I think at some point just – the lack of firepower, just the lack of talent in general. It's really just Alvin Kamara on the offensive, on the offensive side of the ball as far as playmakers go. You just can't keep coaching around that and expecting results. Landon, follow up on Kamara, and
0: if you expect to see him playing on Sunday, what the word is on him, and tell us a little bit more about the Saint's Saint strength. You mentioned a lot of weaknesses, the injury stuff, and of course
2: how poor they are on the perimeter on offense. I think Kamara's in. He was a DMP today with a knee injury and there was a report that the Saints were working out some running backs. It wasn't anything severe. He was able to close out the game. He played their entire fourth quarter when they almost made that valiant comeback. So Kamara's is in, but he's obviously not 100 percent And then their defense is first in yards per carry allowed, first in yardage, first in DVOA. They're thirteenth in passing DVOA and their third overall. So they're a very strong defense. I was going to say, well, we've seen what happens when strong defenses come to Nashville because the Bills were by far the best defense by DVOA, and we scored seven straight times on them, but obviously we don't have the best player in football to do so. I'd give some credit to Vegas if the presumption is our run game with the offensive line banged up with having a rotation of guys off the street taking carries and McNichols isn't taking carries against such a great run defense. We're going to have to lean on Tannehill to throw in. We've seen them make... A lot of bad decisions, like that Ramsey pick was really bad. He's got eight interceptions. Maybe they think Tannehill just can't will us to victory on offense. But the thing is, I mean, we saw in the Ramsey, we don't need – we're at the point, it's not last year. We don't need the offense to drag us to wins. The defense can drag us to the wins, and the offense can do just enough. Tannehill,
0: you're going to look at him on paper. I think a lot of people that talk about this team don't watch this team. I'm okay with the eight interceptions. Yes, he's going to have to clean it up. What he's been asked to do has been a little bit different. The game Sunday in Los Angeles is the perfect example. Yes, some mistakes there. But at the end of the game, you talk about the hit that he took. I don't know how mm-hmm. he didn't like break his trachea or whatever. The next play, he steps into the pocket. Beautiful pass. I see the zip on his pass. I see his toughness. I'm I'm fine with him. Of course, everybody has to get better and clean it up. But I just don't. I really think he is one of the one of the great quarterbacks in the game right now. I think we're going to live and die by him, but I think more by his health. I trust him at this point. Landa makes a really good point that, yeah, I mean, we're not going to get a pick six and just kind of control the game from there. We're At some point, our offense without Henry is going to have to win us some games. It's probably going to be Sunday, right? I really feel good about Tannehill as long as we're in a close game. He's just proven that to me.
1: I would agree, and I think he's one of the better comeback stories the league has seen in a while. I mean, he was borderline terrible in miami i mean he had a couple de- okay seasons but then you know j-rob flips him for pretty much nothing and he balls out when he's not even expected to it was supposed to be marcus's team and here comes Tanhill on the scene when when his number is called upon and he has been the definition of consistency as soon as he started you know we saw an, a, an improvement on offense And we've just continued to see that from last year as a full-time starter uh, to this year. Uh, Yeah, I don't worry so much about the picks. If you look at some of his picks, we've gone against some really, really good cornerbacks. There's no two ways about it. And yeah, he made some bad throws, but he's also been hit so frequently. Oh man, absolutely. It worries me. But he's obviously tough. Oh, he's super tough. So... I don't even put all those picks on him. I I don't. I haven't seen the pro football statistics yet or PFF numbers because they usually look at the quarterback and they credit where the picks are. Like if it was a bad throw, if it was you know if he was hit when he was releasing all that kind of stuff. I haven't seen the statistics on every one of his picks yet. Some of them are bad throws. We've seen it. We've watched it. But the thing about Tannehill that I love that you kind of hit on more so with him getting hit hard, he throws a pick. He comes back. He's not afraid to fire it in there. And, you know, he usually doesn't make stupid mistakes multiple times in a row.
0: Landon, A.J. Brown Sunday, Jalen Ramsey is the most talented cornerback. They were dirty and they were mean. They tried to get into his head. They threw everything at him that you would expect, and I feel like he passed. It was tough. I mean, that is difficult. What they can do to a guy like that? They were cheap shotting him. They were being. And Ramsey, as talented as he is, he just seems like a total like jerk on the field. He's just awful. But I mean, that's kind of the personality of that position of a lot of the great ones. It's just it's so much mental, right? I say I have to say this. You look at the stat sheet. Good game. If you watch it, you say, great game. I think of that because Big Bigfellow mentions, oh, we've played some good corners. we That's about as big of a challenge as a receiver
2: in the NFL today can go through, right? For sure. I think Ramsey is by far the best cornerback in the NFL. He doesn't get the interceptions because quarterbacks are scared of throwing at him and they use him in such a variety of ways. But you just look at the physical makeup, and if you had to pick one guy to be in coverage – for a game. You take Jalen Ramsey easy. 100 times out of a hundred. And I wouldn't say AJ Brown had a great game. He did have two third down drops that were just killed killed drives. Two of the and they were both pretty bad. But like you said, I mean, unless we play them in the Super Bowl again, that's literally the hardest matchup he can possibly get. And what was interesting was Julio wasn't isn't on the practice. He isn't on the injury report today. He was full go for the game. He was in the game most of the time, I felt like. It seems like we're feeling better about his health, and it's to the point now where yes, AJ Brown is always going to draw the number one corner, like he's going to get Lattimore, But now, when we have Julio on the other side, that creates an interesting dynamic to where now you can't just throw everything at AJ Brown and let Westbrook and Chester Rogers kill you. It's Julio freaking Jones is probably healthy. Big fella, Landon says,
0: well, I wouldn't call it a great game because, and, and he's probably right because you know the drop passes, but I just think mentally what they put him through Sunday. Just to come through that with five catches and the win. I mean, am I wrong that there's just something about that? It's like it's like a, a test you have to pass to be a full fledged like number one receiver, right? Oh, for sure.
1: I think even just being on the field and jawing back at Ramsey is enough to be like, right. Okay, that's our dude. He's not afraid of him. <laughs> I mean, right. five catches, forty two yards.
0: But he took all of he took he, uh, he took him out of the game for everyone else.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, and that's why you know Tannehill was able to spread the ball around. He did to the way he did. I mean, we saw Swaim get a touchdown, four catches, twenty nine yards. We saw Julio four catches, thirty five yards. We saw Nick Westbrook-Akeena, and he only had one grab. But I, I know that you were you. We were all super impressed. Yeah, it was I a am. huge um, conversion. It was a fourteen yard catch and run, and I was just like oh, okay, I'm yeah. I'm in on NWI. And then, you know, you got McNichols, Ferkser, AP, Chester Rogers. You know, Rogers had a target, not a catch. But just the fact that he's able to spread it around is because of A.J. Brown taking on Ramsey. And we watched that game. Ramsey shattered him for the entire game. And that's why they were drawn back and forth. And I think part of it, we all know how it is, you know, when the bully starts acting out, it's because they're a little bit intimidated. Mm-hmm. You know, A.J. Brown yeah, is... The new breed of receiver, a big physical dude who can make things happen. And, you know, Ramsey didn't want to be, you know, made a fool on national television on Sunday Night Football. So he figured he'd try to get in his head. Didn't work. But
0: yeah, I think just hanging in there and surviving is something about what they threw at him. And that it was certainly a lot. And it opened up the rest of the field. And, and look what happened. Mm-hmm. No, we didn't run up and down the field. But that, I think that's how you have to be a defense like that. You just get. You let your defense help you and just kind of hang on. Christian Fulton is designated to return. Landon, you don't expect to see him this weekend, but when we do see him, how does he fit in this sort of, I mean, I would call since he's played a new defense, how do you think we'll play once once he gets
2: back on the field? Well, I don't think he's going to come back this week because consistently on the year we've had this trend of when we designate a player to return from IR, They never play the game that's happening that week. It's always a week after or a week after that. Yeah, even Aaron Brewer, who we activated and he played okay given the circumstances, had to wait two weeks. So when our secondary was bad and blowing coverages left and right, Fulton was the one bright spot at cornerback. And now you look at what we've done since losing him against such a great slate of offenses. He's going to be transformative because he's been posting some stuff on social media. He was ready to get back on the field. Obviously, it's such a great defense. He wants to be a part of it, and he's just going to take us to another level because think about it. We won games where Chris Jackson, Elijah Molden, and Janoris Jenkins were our stars, and literal practice squad defensive backs were the fourth guy. Now we're bringing back Fulton, who was playing at a Pro Bowl level, and you're just sliding down everyone one spot to where they have an easier matchup. Now Chris Jackson is our third instead of our second. Now he's getting easier matchups. And Bayard and Hooker, they're one and two. In PFF grade for safety, Bayard is first by a long shot. Bayard, if it weren't for the fact that pass rushers always get the love for defensive play of the year, I think depending on how these last eight games go, given how bad the offenses we play, he's got a shot at defensive play of the year just because we're going to be a great defense. He's getting so many turnovers, and everyone recognizes him as the leader of the defense.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. Well uh, unfortunately, those dummies in the AFC North are probably going to break Michael sing- Michael Strahan's single se- single season sack record. So I think that's one way the buyer doesn't get it, Garrett or, or T.J. Watt. But I, you know, the ball hawk and safety, Mayor of Murfreesboro, mm-hmm. if he keeps doing what he's doing, I think he's a, a, got a really good shot at getting it. Um, but one thing I wanted to say about Fulton, I think he will play. I mean, we cut Breon Borders pretty early this week. And, you know, Breon Borders, he's just a name to everybody else, but we've seen him play well in spots for our defense this year, last year. Uh, So I I was actually kind of surprised that he was cut. And I think that's just because
0: Fulton's ready. Guys, one of y'all explained to me, I don't want to spend a lot of time with this. I don't want to seem like I'm beating on this. And if a guy's actually injured, I don't want to make a lot of that. But... One of y'all tell me, what is going on. What what what's up with Taylor?
1: I really could not tell you. For how much we're paying that man, especially to tr- to you know take him to Los Angeles, occupy a roster spot, and then to warm up and not play, I don't get it. Like, when you're going against like, Aaron what does Donald, the team Leonard say? Floyd, what did the team
0: say happen? Like what's what 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 is supposedly going on? I haven't seen
1: anything yet that where they've talked about it. He was a full participant in practice this week. So, for whatever that's worth, I don't know if it's worth anything to me at this point. Especially if we shut down the Rams. They're passing attack with backups. It's just really, really disappointing to, at one point, he's the premier left tackle. And, you know, his fall from grace
0: has just, like, been historic. I hate to even suggest this, but I'm going to. Uh, because it's our podcast. But... If I didn't know any better I would think this guy has lost a step. He's not as prepared as everybody else and he, he didn't want to play. Because a uh, big fellow if you were out there I mean it would take it would take something broken or someone oh, not God. allowing you to play like you you go out and you play. Well, what, what is his problem? Landon, I, any <laughs> I,
2: do you have any guess about what this guy's That was the strangest thing. Yeah, I haven't seen anything concrete. I I did see rumors that it was a uh, it was that variable staple we've seen this year, where they didn't feel good about it going into the game or as the game was kicking off. And so, like Bud Dupree was from weeks three to six, where he was dressed, but he was an emergency player. So, like if we had to play left tackle, LeJuan would have gone in, but otherwise we wouldn't have, which is a really confusing decision. If you if considering the fact that Kendall Lamb was also out, so we were playing Bobby Hart against maybe the best pass rush in the NFL, and we saw why that was a bad idea. But I do think the LaJuan hate outside of him missing so much time is a bit overblown. His pass his pass blocking grade has been top tier for a left tackle. His run blocking grade has been okay, and really, it's just it just comes down to the missed time. Because I mean, what is this? His is this his third game he's missed? Because he missed the Seahawks game. He missed. I swear he missed. He missed the Chiefs game. And now he missed played, this game. I don't. Did he play in the Jets game? I don't think he did. No, he didn't play in the Jets game because that was... So yeah, he's missed four of our nine games. And yes, the five games where he's in, he's been really good. But the offensive line is just so much about chemistry. You can't have your left tackle. And when he's on the field, he's our second best lineman. You can't have your second best lineman, it being essentially a 50-50 if he's going to play. And maybe as we get to the playoffs and it becomes to the point where, well, we don't need to win this game. It's not the end of the world. When we get to that point and... We get we get our bye week which is thankfully pretty late so we won't have too much we won't have too much wear and tear entering the playoffs and hopefully we get the one seed just the point where it's like we're not gonna we're gonna stop being super duper careful bringing Lewan and dupree back in and we're just gonna let him go
0: yeah what I read into that is i mean he could have played but mm. I, I don't know I mean I don't know what his injury is but it just he, seems <laughs> strange to me especially at that position it's like well, he was—he was an emergency. Well, that means he could have played. He wasn't like medically unable to play. You—you well, you play,
1: and that's the thing. Like when you have your seventeen million dollar left tackle on the field, and he could have played. You should never be in that situation, and that yeah. just
0: aggravates me. If it's one thing. And it's not one thing, but if it's one thing, while well, we've won five straight and we've just been on one heck of a run, especially in the last month, I've bragged about our coaching staff, and I've bragged, we've bragged about our role players stepping up, and we've bragged about Kevin Byard. Um, if it's one thing, it is the pressure we have been able to get overall, without blitzing, but especially from our interior defensive line. <laughs> so it's Jeffrey Simmons and it's Darnell Autry. Did he go? And- Danico Autry. Darnell was uh, running back from the 90s, right? Um, The kid from Northwestern. It's those two guys. And immense pressure. Landon has pointed out to us on Texas Week about how they're, in the last month, as good as anybody, inside or outside. Uh, That's the difference, right? If not, what... What's the biggest reason we've we've routed off five in a row? If there's one reason. These guys, I mean, just the way that Simmons just absolutely ripped up the pocket all game. I mean, that was the reason why we won that game, that and some some really good turnovers and, and, and timely stuff.
1: Yeah, I would agree. But that's obviously our biggest area where we've just dominated folks. But I think the other players that have to kinda, you know, get their own call outs, David Long has played phenomenal when given a starting opportunity. I mean, I think he has brought a physicality and an athleticism to the linebacker position that we haven't seen since, you know, Jayon Brown in his, his best years. I also think, like we've talked about earlier, our defensive secondary has stepped up. They found a way to keep everything in front of them. You look at the teams we've played, you know, that Buffalo game was back and forth all night. Chiefs, Nothing too big down the field on some of the most electric players in the league. Colts, you know, I mean, they snuck around, but no huge, huge, huge plays. Then the Rams, I mean, we shut them down. Cooper Cup, 11 catches, 95 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, I mean, nothing huge. Same thing with Robert Woods, 7 for 98, nothing huge. It's that bend, don't break mentality, and they've all adjusted to it and... We talk about all the time, like, you know, if we're going to criticize Shane Bowen, we have to give him his due credit. He had those guys in the right places, and they were ready
0: to go. Landon, if it had to be one thing for you, why have we been able to do
2: what we've done the last month? Our defensive play calling on this win streak has been out of this world. I mean, it's literally like a switch got flicked in Shane Bowen's brain that went from bad player play caller to good play caller. Outside of that Cole Beasley blown touchdown against the Bills, can you guys think of a bad play call we've had where it's just just befuddling a guy's wide open down the field? It looks like our 2020 defense where no one knows what's going on and everyone's playing better. And part of that is we've got better players at times. We've got better pass rush, which certainly helps things. But look at that Chiefs game. We were pretty much starting a practice squad secondary outside of Bayard and Mahomes did nothing. That's coaching. You, you don't take Patrick Mahomes and make him look like a bum with practice squad defensive acts. Like I've said, literally one play call in the past four games, all against playoff teams, all against good offenses. One play call I thought was bad, or there was obvious miscommunication. Think about how it was the first four weeks where it felt like every game there's five or six huge plays that just didn't make any sense and were killing us. I mean, I don't know if Jim Swartz secretly, it's like a Week in that Bernie situation where Jim Swartz just <laughs> took over the play calling. Shane Bowen is a good defensive play caller now. And I saw some articles. And obviously, there's a lot of speculation the went through the season. Is ESPN about potential head coaching candidates? They legit said Shane Bowen is getting some buzz as a head coaching candidate. I mean, just Please. think about where we were a year ago. Think about how bad of a play caller Shane Bowen was, and think about now where ESPN is saying, "Hey, he he might be getting some head coaching buzz." I mean, just I mean, our past defense is eighth in DVOA, and it's still weighted down by those early season duds against the Cardinals and Seahawks. You look at who we play down the stretch, we're gonna be a top five pass defense.
0: Big fellow Landon is making weekend at Bernie's references. So right. and, I, and I, I Landon's was brought say. home a lot of good report cards. I've I've never been prouder.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, Landon, you said all that great stuff, but all I can harp on is like, you've never seen weekend at Bernie's. Tell me,
0: have you? His no, age I, group, I, it's just, he's only it's aware of it. They don't sense. watch stuff. They just look it up on, they Google it, and they understand the uh, the context. Uh,
2: of it. Now, people made some jokes, and I got it like a long time ago.
0: Oh, Landon. Well, you have,
1: that's our next homework assignment. You've got to watch Weekend at Bernie's 1 and Kids 2. Kids don't
0: watch movies like that. They don't do that. I mean, you would like to think that they would, but they're uh, not. We might get him to watch Rudy like if it's one of our birthdays or Christmas, but he's not going to watch <laughs> Weekend at Bernie's. Uh, Weekend
1: at Bernie's is my secret movie on the DVR that you know. my wife is like, oh, what should we watch? And I said, the next time we can't agree on something, we're watching Weekend at Bernie's. She's like, fine. And then every time we can't agree, she's like, no, 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 no. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm like, come on!
0: Guys, uh, there's been a lot of talk. It's weird. I guess it's more or less the midpoint of the season, so uh, there's been a lot of ranking like uh, in the media locally and, and nationally. Like, oh, What are your best teams in the AFC? I want to ask you guys, like, and I know a lot is going to happen in the next really two months. I mean, the Super Bowl isn't basically mid-February of this year. So we've got really two and a half more months of football. But what AFC teams really do you think are, are going to be there to compete? I know we all have the, the caveat that if Kansas City can figure themselves out, this year, yes, they're the favorites, but I don't know that they are. I don't know. Mm. Maybe they will. I, I don't see it. For me, I'm not afraid of New England. There's so much hype there because they've had they've had a good month too. But if they would have had the month we had, would they be crowning them? Uh, we talked about that uh, right off the bat. And you hear a lot about the Bills. Oh, bad week there. You go down to Deval County and you do that. You're not that good. And a lot of people have realized, they're yes, they have talent. Yes, they're well coached. But, honestly, they played a very weak schedule. I say I'll have to say this, guys. I think we're the favorites in the AFC. I think a lot can change. I think we're showing ourselves we're a legitimate Super Bowl contender to make it to the Super Bowl. It's crazy that I'm saying this, but I think the Browns uh, have a lot of potential. And I think the Baltimore Ravens, as bad as their defense is, if they can find a way like we have in the last month to just get better on defense – there's something about Lamar that is just really even friskier than usual this season.
1: I would agree. I mean, originally, I told you earlier, I was looking at some AFC teams to see what their schedule looks like down the stretch, and I immediately went to Ravens, Bills, Steelers. But a team that I think we're kind of sleeping on is the Chargers. They've kind of medal around, and they haven't... Justin Herbert's been a shell of his old self, but they could very easily just w- wake up, and just kind of come to life here. But the, I'm looking at the overall standings and it's kinda of crazy because there are eleven teams right now with winning records in the AFC. I mean, so that clearly. Yeah, set, the AFC it's, is
0: kinda of beat up on the NFC, especially obviously <laughs> this last weekend. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean I think there's I think there's a depth of talent there in the AFC and that's kinda of what I get what I'm getting at. I think that they're we got to look on potential right now. There's just so many injuries, and it's a longer season than usual. I like your point, uh, John, but the Chargers, for me, I, I would disagree because, yeah, I mean, I see why they're tantalizing from a talent standpoint. I would have to see that. They, they're they just not going to put it together, and they're not protecting him. I don't know. I mean, I know they're a better coach, but I think it's going to take a season for him to – I'd be curious what Landon thinks about the Chargers, but uh, that's my question for y'all. I, I, I see the potential, I can't believe it, in the Browns, especially since they dumped – uh, oh, boy. I see potential in the Browns. I see potential in the Ravens. I, I think that we have the most potential in the AFC. I
2: absolutely really believe that after what I've seen the last month. I would say we should be the odds-on favorite to be the one seed to close out because we're two games up on Buffalo. We have the easiest schedule in the NFL by a mile. Like, our strength of schedule down the stretch is .353. The next closest team is the Jets, 0.40. We played. We have played... I believe it's a top eight difficult schedule, and we ha- we're 7-2. We're at the top of the conference. You look, at, you look at the rest of our schedule. We have three games against teams that are good. Saints this week, New England, Steelers. All those are winnable. I mean, we, could, we can go 7-1 down the stretch. And then I'm not in on the Chargers because they're the worst run defense in the league by a mile. It's laughable how bad they are. Philly – whose run game was a meme at how bad it was, ran all over them with Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. And you just look at the AFC landscape. Outside of Buffalo, every playoff contender has a good run game, except maybe Kansas City because of injuries. But they ran all over. They did a pretty good job against Buffalo the first time. You You can't be the worst run defense in the NFL, go into the playoffs, and have a good chance of winning because that is the one weakness great passing offenses can have is where you get down and teams can run on you at will and grind out the clock and you don't hit on every single possession, it's over.
0: I would agree. That's the only time you've ever seen a team like that win a Super Bowl is when they suddenly got good against the run after being bad all all season, like the 06 yeah. Colts, for instance. And, but you're absolutely right because when it gets cold and it comes down to it, uh, that's what really uh, makes I don't. I do not take Buffalo seriously for that reason. And honestly – probably Kansas City as well. I'm just going to have to see more. Now, they could they could turn it on, but I'm just going to – they just seem there's something kind of fundamental there's an issue there, and I think it's going to lead to maybe a coaching changer or something. Big fellow, sorry to, to rain on your Chargers parade there, but <laughs> well, um, I, I do – I was just curious who you guys kind of saw. Like, uh, yeah, there's it's a deep field, but honestly, uh, I try to think about, like, let's say we do get to host uh, a game or two. Like, who, who would we be like, oh, man, they're frisky. I'd be afraid of Baltimore – and weirdly, Whoa. Cleveland. If they keep yeah. showing me what they've shown me, what they've shown me now, because I wouldn't be afraid of Buffalo, been there, done that. And I wouldn't be afraid of Kansas City. I mean, normally afraid, yes, but I have. Crazy enough, I think I'd be uh, more afraid of those. The big question I have, uh, John. I know you're an expert on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ugh. I think we all just sort of like after the things ended last season and just how bad. Like he Ben Ben looks like a mummy back there. But yeah. they've been frisky the last month, too. Laura's here. Laura's a big Steelers fan. I'm going to ask you, Laura, like, are we overlooking them? I mean, is there potential? We talk about – I mean, we're talking about Cleveland's potential. Is there potential? I think it's the reverse of last season. Are we falling asleep on Pittsburgh? I mean, is is there some potential there? Or is he – can he pull a Peyton Manning from six years ago and kind of look alive? Laura, don't answer. They suck.
2: Well, I mean, I think it's if anybody's watching the Steelers, if we all are, it's it's really hard to watch Ben right now, even though the Steelers are doing well. Oh, they got one heck
0: of a team around on both sides.
2: But, you know, even the other night, they seemed to have that game in control, and they ended up winning 29-27. I mean, they're going to be potentially a threat, but they're really, I think, wishy-washy and inconsistent. Um, and I think that uh, Ben, his age is showing. I know that there's a team around him that's really solid, but uh, it's going to come down, I think, probably to his performance in the playoffs, and I just don't think he's got it anymore. And I hate to say that because I'm a Steelers fan, but well, get off of the show,
0: get out, fella, as as objectively as you get. can. I know years like this when there's not like when there's injuries or. Like the the so called dominant teams kind of something happens unless say Kansas City. This is a year where a team can kind of back in. And do you see any hint of that with Pittsburgh that they could be a contender down the stretch? I do. Because I, mean, I know I, they've won ugly and then always like, ah, oh, whatever. But I mean, yeah, I you see it, right? I hate their black and
1: gold guts, but I do see a you know, a scenario where they back in and they've really got themselves into a nice position by rattling off four straight wins against Denver, Seattle, Cleveland, Chicago. Everybody has been talking about that Chicago win, and had it not been for that blatant and terrible personal foul call where the referee bumped into, I forget the player's
0: name. I honestly think that idiot oh. was kind of being dumb when he was walking towards their sideline. I, I kind of get the call. But I know we could probably talk about that all night. But oh, that yeah, guy was but being I mean, such a moron.
1: He he was, but he's not even I mean, I don't even know who he is. So that tells you enough uh right there. But I mean it took a penalty, it, it took a penalty and a crazy last second field goal to beat Chicago. <laughs> I'm yeah, not crowning that, that's the Steelers. The idea of the anything ugly here. Yeah, it's hard to yeah. get on
0: board with him, but
1: here they are winning. They do have some tough games coming up, so obviously they have Detroit at home, which is basically like their powderpuff game but then they go to the chargers they go to cincinnati they're home for baltimore that's a tough three game stretch i've always talked about you know teams who make the travel from east coast to west coast or west coast to east coast
0: that is no easy easy task except when it's us because we're right yeah oh us. Uh, yeah, i mean do we all do, do all the titans own homes in la because I mean, the, we felt at home there
1: we're the exception we're the exception to that rule But, uh, you know, I mean, they have a tough stretch for sure. And then they finish out at Kansas City, home for Cleveland, at Baltimore. That's a pretty uh, – number one, if Kansas City is not in the position to get to the playoffs at that point, they are definitely going to be one of those spoiler teams. I can totally see that. Um, And especially it would make their day to ruin it for the Steelers. And I would then become a a secondary Chiefs fan.
0: I like your point about – you know, traveling from east to west, west to east. Uh, you pointed that out Sunday, like, well, with the Raiders. Uh, with everything else they're going through, having to go to New York. But, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it didn't show with us. But you see that a lot. I think that gets overlooked because people don't actually have to travel. But when you do that, you got to perform it at, at a high level. Um, well, and the one thing I do
1: think is different about us in our situation, honestly, you're going to probably think I'm crazy, but it's a night game. It's Sunday night, so you get there, you travel, you get settled, you can sleep, you can do your routine, whatever it is, but if you are going one way to the other, and you're normally used to playing at noon, and now you have to play uh, on your schedule, where you're two to three hours, or I think there were three to four hours later, right? It, It just throws you off, but if you have a whole day to kind of acclimate, it's a lot different. The games that are in those earlier slots, those are really, really tough to adjust because you're, you're like, your whole entire routine is thrown off, and you know, you're getting ready for a game after breakfast or you're getting ready for a game after lunch. Of course, I'm going to talk about
0: games around meals, but right. uh, <laughs> you know, it's just a really hard thing to accommodate. Am I wrong here? Am I, I? I'm just sizing up the AFC already after, after especially every Sunday. I'm like, okay, what what are our real chances here? What, what's our biggest roadblocks here? I know we got a long way to go, but I was just so impressed with our defense and and if not great, how tough um, our, our offense has been. I know we're going to learn a lot. I don't think our schedule is as easy as everybody's saying, especially our next three weeks, because I I, I think a little bit more of Pittsburgh and New Orleans play their guts out. Uh, they're just shorthanded. They've got injury issues. Uh, I think they're going to be a really tough out Sunday. But Landon, am I wrong that if if Ryan Tannehill got put on the Steelers, they wouldn't lose for two months, right? I mean, I know their offensive line has issues, but ours has issues. Am I overvaluing that roster? Because I'm just really impressed with their offensive weapons. Uh, absolutely, they're – Rookie running back. I love their receiver. I think uh, Harris is. They're just really Im- impressive uh, at receiver and really deep. And I, I love their young defense.
2: I do think that's a bit of an overreaction. Their win streak has been nice, but they haven't exactly been playing the best teams in the NFL down the stretch. Their secondary is a bit overrated. The pass rush is still legit, but they've been losing a lot of guys at edge due to the injury in the short term. Like I said, secondary I think is a bit overrated. Their offensive line honestly is pretty much non-existent. Big Ben, I, I think, covers up for it because he's throwing the ball two seconds every time, so it's literally impossible for the pass rush to get there. But you it see has to Najee be Harris.
0: because their their offensive line is bad. But we do the same thing.
2: Yeah, but even then, I think our offensive line one is much has much 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 more experience. They're Fair. off, not just playing together, but in general, their offensive line is pretty much all second year and second-year rookie players or guys that just came in, they have no chemistry. That is
0: true. They don't have anybody as good as Saffold or Jones. I mean,
2: that's true. Heck, even Nate Davis, as bad as he's been, would probably be their best lineman. Yeah, wow. I think it's a bit overrated, and their weapons with Smith-Schuster out and Claypool. I don't know if it's regression or if it's just the sophomore slump where NFL teams adjust, so he's not getting those one-on-one jump balls against small cornerbacks, and they're just playing him better. Their receivers haven't been as explosive as I thought. Farmeruth has come in recently, but again, he looked really Bat-
1: good Monday. I feel like somebody warned y'all about him. Farmeruth looked really good a... Monday.
0: I mean, and honestly, <laughs> their best receiver—you <clears throat> didn't mention that, Deontay, Johnson. Deontay Johnson. 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 I mean, if you watch their games, and I know John, you don't have the stomach to do that. <laughs> the guy is r- unreal. He's very good. All right, enough, enough Steelers. Okay, John, enough. Ugh.
1: No. Well, I just want to point out that I told y'all about Pat Fryermuth, and he said I was crazy. But
0: just I, didn't say, I don't. Well, Landon, Landon,
1: Landon crucified me for saying I, for me talking him up.
0: What does Landon know about the draft yeah, anyway? Jeez, Landon. John, you want to talk about the Ravens uh, down the stretch? I know we're already thinking about the Titans' possibility as a number one seed, even with a, with the injury. The biggest impediment for a frisky Baltimore team is uh, is who they got to play down the stretch right
1: oh yeah without a doubt and they have an easy one coming up they go to the dolphins and then they go to the bears but then they're home for the browns at the steelers at the browns home for the packers at the Bengals, home for rams and home for steelers i mean that's a tough stretch probably almost as tough as you can get i mean you've got those three division games back to back to back and then you play the packers and then you come back and then you have to go to to cincinnati to play the Bengals and it, hopefully I, I think they can probably right their ship by that time too and they're going to be dangerous so I think the Ram uh, the Ravens they're going to take some serious punches to the face
2: and another thing with the Ravens yes they're six and two but three of those wins have been 14 point comebacks that's just not sustainable I mean it's not sustainable year to year but even in the same year like if a team goes a no one score games that's a major outlier let alone you having three two possession comebacks. That and yes, we've had two of our own. But at the same time, we've consistently looked better. Like we haven't we haven't been down to a team as bad as the Vikings are at home and had to stage a ferocious comeback. And honestly, they should have lost that game. Lamar threw an interception at midfield, and the Vikings' offensive coordinator just forgot how to play football. They went <laughs> three and out with the most pathetic offensive display I've seen since Terry Rubisky was our offensive coordinator. <laughs> they should have lost that game. They sure. sh- their defense is not good. Part of it is they lost a lot of good players due to free agency and injury. but And their offensive line keeps getting banged up. I think they're going to end up having started. I think they're on their fourth right tackle at this point. And part of it is Villanueva moved back to left tackle when Stanley got hurt. But they're shuffling through linemen almost as fast as we seem to be. And, yes, Lamar is amazing. And if Tom Brady didn't exist, he'd be the MVP. But – one player can only carry a team with such obvious weaknesses so far, especially when those weaknesses are pass defense and pass blocking. Literally the name of the game today, the passing game.
1: Look at that Ravens schedule too. Um, you know, the Browns have had quite a few of their players with a COVID outbreak this week, so they're going to probably get the weekend off. Um, and then, so they're going to be pretty rested for that that game against the Browns on Sunday Night Football on the 28th of November. So I just think that's a brutal stretch for them. I'm not going to sit here and predict what their regular season win-loss total will be, but I definitely see a couple extra L's on the Ravens' schedule.
0: Guys, let's talk picks. Um, What's your feeling? Titans, Saints here in Nashville, 12 o'clock kickoff, big fella. How do you think it goes?
1: Well, I would like to say we'd come out and steamroll them, but we typically don't do that. We we always talk about it. You guys always criticize me. I'm a homer. I'm definitely picking this team to win. Um, I'm probably gonna go. I'm gonna go twenty four twenty four fourteen.
2: I had it twenty seven fourteen. Gonna be a pretty gritty, ugly game, but I love ugly games. And we're at the point. I was texting you guys on Sunday Night Football that game, and really the past couple of games. It's the point where I'm legitimately excited to see our defense on the field. And now with Henry out, it's easily more than the offense. Like whenever we punt in and current pin the back, it's like, yeah, our defense is on the field. Let's see what happens next. It's not, hey, I wonder which cornerback is going to give up a 30 yard bomb because he doesn't know who he's supposed to be covering. Yeah. And of course we're playing Trevor Simeon throwing to a bunch of no names with his best offensive weapon banged up. So if you, if you look at what we did to the, the chiefs and Rams when they're mostly at full strength and you look at the saints on paper, It's going to be a bloodbath.
0: Well, I thought Simeon played pretty well down the stretch Sunday, and uh, I expect a little bit more from them. Uh, They've got a lot to play for. I I think it's going to be a tight game. I'd say 31-27. We're going to win because not only is Jeffrey Simmons going to be out there on the field, Jeffrey Simmons is going to be up in 331. John's going to be in the bill (laughs) in his Simmons jersey. So I just just don't think we can lose.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be an electric atmosphere. I mean – we've gotten up for the last couple of home games and it's been a true joy as a titans fan to you know see these big market teams come in with all their fans there too and for our titans fans to to rival them to steal their chance yeah. to to make noise on the field roger behind us he he, he screams free frosty free frosty back to when the titans would give out free frosties at wendy's whenever the opposing team had a false start due to the, the crowd noise so i hope roger starts just yelling free frosties all day long and you know hopefully maybe maybe we'll have to to buy him some frosties but i just think it's going to be electric and you know this whole team is going to get up for the game um so it's going to be a great great experience
0: yeah i think so we're going to have a lot of fun Sunday, hope everybody can come out. Don't sell your tickets. We appreciate everybody for listening to Tennessee Titans talk. We have so much fun doing this, and it's so fun when we win five in a row. So, I hope everybody's going to be ready. Bundle up. We'll see you guys Sunday. Until then, tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.